Hello, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work, not only to keep on top of the changing technology, but then decide how to incorporate it all into your family's life. Our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show, and today we're going to be talking about in the news, Visco Girls, as well as famous for looking like someone famous. Our character focus will be on self-confidence, our app focus on Visco, and in our family focus, the very concerning aspect of vaping. We're going to talk about how to handle that in your home. All right, let's jump into news. Visco Girls and How Teen Culture Goes Viral. If you have a young teen girl or preteen, someone in elementary, middle school, or high school, chances are you have heard this term, Visco Girl. So what is a Visco Girl? Well, it is sort of a meme-type culture that is proliferated into every aspect of life. And it's essentially just pop culture girl wrapped into one. So She is defined as a girl who wears oversized t-shirts and Nike shorts. She wears Crocs or Birkenstocks, shell necklace, hair scrunchies, not only on her wrists, but also on her hair. And she carries a hydro flask. Her favorite car is a Jeep. And she is passionate about saving the turtles and the environment. And because of that, she uses metal straws. So really, it is all the things that are popular in teen culture defined as one person, Visco girl. Now, it makes you think like, oh, these Visco girls are all over the app Visco, which we're going to be talking about that app and our, our focus there. But what's ironic is it's not all over Visco. Actually, the company says themselves, if you were to search hashtag Visco girl on the actual app, it's going to reveal a culture that's much more diverse than what this popular trend has become known as. Essentially, it's that this type of girl who wears this clothing and dresses this way and has these preferences is also a girl who would use Visco to edit their photos. Now, personally speaking, back in August when my kids started school, my 13-year-old went to school and came home and said, everybody was calling me this name. I don't even know what it was, but I pulled out my hydro flask in class and they started saying this stuff. Well, we quickly did some research and we learned that part of the hydro flask culture was this visco girl. Humorously, my high schoolers overhearing this conversation says, oh, that is such a middle school thing to do. And high schoolers would never talk like that or call people visco girls. You know, that's all just middle school. And for a moment, I really kind of agreed. I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds like a middle school culture. But two days later, I was at a high school football event. And I overheard senior boys talking about Visco girls. So there is that. In fact, just this past week was our school's homecoming where they chose different themed days of dress every week leading up to homecoming. And what was one of the days? You guessed it, Visco girls. You can see how it has really just proliferated all over. They have a certain, a certain language that they use when talking about a Visco girl. This is going to fade away just like every other popular trend, but it's interesting how fast things spread with the internet and how quickly everyone sort of jumps on board in this new era of social media sharing. Speaking of social media sharing, next in our news, famous for looking like someone more famous. 
The Atlantic recently did an article about this new trend on TikTok. Now, we've talked about TikTok before, and it's really gaining in popularity. And so this is specifically where users of TikTok have some character traits that may resemble another celebrity. So they sort of dress themselves and, and make themselves appear as they are that celebrity. And then in this sort of challenge, if you will, they post a picture of themselves along with a celebrity in this sort of 15-second video style that TikTok is known for in order to show that, hey, I kind of look like the celebrity. And then you gain some new followers because you happen to look like the celebrity. Interestingly, celebrities don't really adore the existence of their lookalikes, particularly when they're made public in a way that sort of cheapens their image. Kim Kardashian actually sued Old Navy for using a model that looked too much like her. That was back in 2012, but just recently, Ariana Grande filed a lawsuit against Forever 21 for this very same reason, using a model who looks like her. The article went into depth as to why is it that kids really are into the celebrity culture? And when they interviewed Nancy Jo Sales, who is an author, she wrote the book, American Girls, The Secret Life of Social Media and Teenagers. She says this, this is the first generation that has really ever known the days when there appeared to be no boundary between regular people and celebrities. They're so accessible on social media that essentially kids are thinking in their heads, this is me. I'm famous too. I have 600,000 followers on TikTok. I'm just as famous as this celebrity. And it's not just the numbers of followers, but our kids have now sort of owned this celebrity-like thinking process when they're on social media. And it's, what am I going to do to market myself next? What story am I going to tell to keep people interested in me? What kind of content can I create to gain more followers? They are thinking of themselves as celebrities. This is that new world that exists for them with social media. I don't have to, you know, land a chance to be an actress or a musician or anything like that to be a celebrity. I can just go on social media and I'll be a celebrity. What this means for our kids is that if they're on social media and they are maybe following some celebrities, we have to really keep them grounded enough to know that social media is a tool. It's a communication tool. It's an entertainment tool. But we can sometimes become way too obsessed with becoming this celebrity, with gaining these followers and these likes. And that can really overtake their character. That's a dangerous and slippery slope because if you look at any childhood celebrity over the past several decades, none of them really can handle the celebrity stardom that comes their way. And so that's a really tricky way to navigate. But I encourage you, if your child is on one of these social media apps, to have this conversation about, do you feel like you're a celebrity? Do you desire to be a, you know, quote, celebrity or to gain this sort of fame or stardom? And what that might mean in the future to their self-worth if, you know, is this a temporary thing or a long-term goal of theirs to do only this sort of celebrity type of work of creating content online. All right, in our character focus today, we're going to be discussing the virtue of self-confidence. I absolutely believe this really ties into our news as we talk about, you know, popular trends and sort of fitting in with the popular ways and of culture and what's viral right now, as well as, you know, trying to be someone or look like someone who is already famous. Well, self-confidence is feeling a trust in your own abilities and qualities and judgment. 
Now, your self-confidence can increase from experiences where you master certain activities. And you can also possess this sort of positive belief that whatever you set your mind to, you can accomplish. You can probably think of people you know who are very self-confident. And it's very attractive to see someone who is confident, no matter if they're catching up with all the trends or they're just confident in exactly who they are and their purpose and what it is that they're going to achieve in their life. What does that look like? A couple different aspects of self-confidence is a good posture and relaxed walk, very alert eyes. Through their communication, they make eye contacts. They're not ashamed or self-confident in any way. They're also at ease both giving praise and receiving praise, and in the same way with criticism and feedback. They understand constructive criticism. They can hear it, take it in, and have a growth mindset about that. Self-confidence also shows itself with a curiosity about new ideas and willingness to learn. And self-confident people also have a refusal to get upset when things go differently than planned because, again, they're confident in their abilities, their qualities, and their judgment. And that leads them to refusal to get upset. It's a great way. So studies have shown that confident kids actually experience a lot of benefits and they range from having less anxiety, having improved performance in school, to increased resilience and healthier relationships. As we read that list, it's easy to say, yes, 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 right? I want my kids to have all of this. Yes, less anxiety. Improve school performance, please. Increased resilience, all of our kids need this better, stronger resilience and healthier relationships. Relationships are such an important aspect that can be really taken away from media and technology. So yes, we want all of this. This is where self-confidence can really come in, even if they are having a lot of their relationships online, having that self-confidence offline can really benefit them. However, we have to acknowledge that a lot of things online can really strip them of their self-confidence. So what are a few of those? Well, social media, for one, comparing yourself to everyone else's accomplishment or their highlight reel. It's hard to be on Instagram as a young person and not compare yourself to the influencers, to the celebrities, or to just your peers. What it is that they have and how they look and how they're presenting themselves online It's so hard to not compare yourself and think, oh, I wish I was this, I wish I was that. I'm not, and therefore my confidence fails and weans a little bit. Also, the fear of missing out, FOMO, that can be fear of missing out of a text conversation or an event that some friends are planning because you weren't able to access the social media or the phone and you missed out on something. It could be fear of missing out on someone's posts or the news. There's a lot of that. Because they are constantly connected and they never go without that connection, that if for some reason they are without it, they have this constant fear of what could I be missing out on? And that can really affect their self-confidence. Similarly, the selfie culture. This really ties back into social media, but you know, this idea that we're really focusing on ourselves so much so, you know, the average teenage girl can take up to 200 pictures to just get one to post onto social media of a selfie. So we're focusing and trusting on this outward appearance and then putting it out there for the world to judge us and tell us we're pretty and tell us we're worthy. And that is not a healthy foundation to build our worth on. And again, that can destroy self-confidence. You may say, this is the best picture I've ever taken of me. I'm going to put this on Instagram and all my peers are going to tell me how pretty I am. But then if they don't, 
if Instagram's algorithm just happens to not show your picture to all of your peers and they don't get to see it, then you can feel completely worthless and you don't have that self-confidence and everybody must think that I'm ugly and it's, it carries with you into all aspects of life. So all of these can really destroy a young person's self-confidence. At the same time, we can also acknowledge that too much self-confidence, that's like when you're focusing on all of your positive traits and you're expecting praise from everyone, even when you're accomplishing very little, you're putting very little effort, you still want that praise. That level of self-confidence really can lead to narcissism as well as entitlement. Now, many people feel like our younger generations are narcissistic and they are entitled, and there can be characteristics of this across the culture, but not everyone is going to have those aspects. However, if you do feel like your child is leaning into narcissism or entitlement, where they're constantly praising themselves, they almost have too much self-confidence, that is definitely an issue that can be worked on. So we're going to go over a handful of ways that you can build self-confidence into your kids. And I might just say this can also work for ourselves. Sometimes we as adults, even though we're, we've lived 40 plus years, however long we've, we've lived, we still may not have the self-confidence that we wish for. So we can apply these to ourselves as well. So seven ways. Number one, Balance self-acceptance with self-improvement. We can acknowledge that we're not going to be masters at everything. But if there is something that we really want to master, it may take a couple times of failing, but we can continue to work towards that. We can embrace our flaws and our inabilities, but always focus on improvement. It's this idea of having a growth mindset. If you fail once, it's not like, oh, I struck out. I'm never going to play baseball again. That's not the case, right? You always keep going, working towards growth. This can help build self-confidence, especially with younger middle school age kids. This is a very important place to be really building into their self-confidence is the encouraging them to accept their flaws and inabilities and really focus on growth. Number two, we're going to praise effort instead of outcome. We don't want to expect perfection. We know that our kids aren't going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect but we want them to try hard and to give 100%, even if it's not always going to be successful. We wanna honor their effort and their work and not just their natural innate talents. So the best way to describe this is if your child gets an A on a test, instead of saying, you are so smart in math, man, you just got an A on this test and you are just so smart. It's not that, it's saying, you must have worked really hard in this math class. You must have studied hard and I could see how much time and effort you put into that class. And look, it paid off. All of that hard work and that effort paid off because you got an A. So we're praising the effort and not just the outcome. Number three, advocate for themselves. We really want our young people to be able to advocate for themselves, to speak up and to ask questions when they need to and to kind of really just speak up for what they believe in and what there may be what their rights are. This can be with a teacher or with a coach or with another adult an employer. We can't always swoop in and rescue them from conversations. And I might specifically say where I see this a lot with my own kids is they aren't willing to always talk on the phone. If I say, "Hey, we'll just give this person a call, this business a call and ask them." It may be even as simple as ordering a pizza. And my kids are still a little bit nervous. Can't we just do it online? But these are simple ways to practice picking up the phone and doing what it is they need to do. Advocate for themselves. Pizza ordering is the simplest of things. But one day they may have to call 
you know, a company, their electric company and set up that or to contest a bill or, you know, you never know, talking to an employer, to professors, there is so much that they need to have those communication skills to advocate for themselves. So start early and have them advocate for themselves from the earliest of ages. Number four, try new things. You cannot grow in confidence if you don't step out of a comfort zone towards a new adventure, towards a new opportunity, towards trying a new sport, learning a new musical instrument. That is how you grow. And when you try new things, you become more confident because maybe you're trying something you thought you'd be terrible at, but maybe you're really great and where you really enjoy. That can help grow your confidence. Number five, role model self-confidence. Now, this is for us mom and dad specifically. We really need to role model self-confidence because if we are talking negatively about ourselves, if we talk ourselves down, our children are going to learn to do the exact thing. Our voice to them and talking about ourselves becomes their own inner voice. So we need to practice positive self-talk. And that can be anything from, I had this project at work and I thought that I was really gonna nail it. And it turns out I really didn't nail it. I didn't do that great. And I'm kind of bummed, but here's what I've learned. I mean, it can be, that's self-confidence. I'm having a growth mindset. I'm admitting my, my failures or my inabilities and we're moving on. But it may also be, I am talking about my, the way, my physical appearance. I might be able to lose a couple of pounds, but I feel healthy and I feel great. And you're not always focused on this diet cycle because our young girls can also take that on themselves. So we really need to role model self-confidence. And again, maybe you don't have that level of self-confidence that you want. But as adults, I'm telling you, we can kind of fake it, fake it enough to really be encouraging our children. Number six, we want to build self-worth in our kids. We need them to know that their worth is not found in the amount of likes on social media. I touched on this before. Their worth must be focused on non-superficial things, such as their values, their morals, and their belief. We can't allow them to adopt this victim mindset where... I failed this class because the teacher was terrible. Own their own part of it. And so we can definitely build their self-worth and say, well, maybe that teacher was terrible, but how can you improve your own skills because of this? Because you're not always going to have great, fantastic, amazing teachers. So don't let them be victims where everything is out of their control and it's all being done to them. Have them establish who they are and what they are in control of. And number seven. Freedom with natural consequences. We don't want our kids to escape responsibility because it's so much easier for us to just do it for them. It's hard as a parent to just step back and say, well, these are your choices and you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And there are going to be consequences if you choose not to do it. And they're not even going to be inflicted on me. You know, it's college application time. You can either fill out your college applications now and not have to, you know, pay this higher fee. Or you can delay it and not take care of it or not get your SATs registered on time. You know, all of these different, you know, adult-like responsibilities, we could easily take care of it for them. But we want to give them the freedom of taking care of things on their own. Not only those responsibilities, but just the natural responsibilities of cleaning their room, taking care of their car. As they get older, they need to really have this freedom and allow these natural consequences to take hold. So don't micromanage them. It's really easy to do when they're in elementary school and they need us, but we can help build self-confidence in trusting in their choices. We can lead them with wisdom, but then give them the ability 
to either apply that wisdom or not apply it and then make a mistake. But the natural consequences that occur will absolutely teach them and help them build self-confidence. All right. The focused app of the day is Visco. Now, Visco is a photo sharing app that's become quite popular. So here we go. Fact number one, it is similar to Instagram in that the app allows users to edit and add filters to photos before sharing them. It defines itself as an art and technology company, and really it has more serious editing features than Instagram. Because of this, many users have Visco in order to share more of their artistic photos and to practice their photography skills. All the images that you upload and edit, you can either save them to your own camera roll, or you can publish them, and then once they're published, they are very public, and they can be republished by another member. They also give you the direct option to share that photo directly to Instagram or your Instagram story, Snapchat, or you can copy the link and send it elsewhere. The Visco app also gives you a right to copyright your photos or to allow creative use. That means you can allow someone, obviously, to reshare it or even edit it further, and you can allow that commercial use, which is where a company may be able to come in and use your photo. Not that you're going to make money off of that or they're going to pay you for that, but because you're putting it out there on Visco, it could be used for commercial uses. Fact number two, favorites and followers. Now, a key difference between Visco and Instagram is that there is limited social interaction on Visco. There are no per se likes and there's no commenting on photos. So therefore, Visco has sort of gained a reputation for more serious photography enthusiasts. So they want to focus on photos themselves and not how many likes and comments it can get. So they even use this as part of their app description. They say, because beautiful imagery trumps social clout, the numbers of followers and likes are absent from the platform. So great. That's an awesome feature. So you'll be able to privately favorite and acknowledge posts that you like on Visco. And so when you favorite something, you're kind of just showing, hey, I really like your picture. But when your image is favorited, you're the only person who knows that it was favorited. You get a notification if you've allowed your notifications, and then you know that. Now, Visco will suggest people for you to follow, essentially based on the kind of maybe photos that you like, or if you use your contacts, people that you already know. So you can see who your followers are at any time, but Visco does not publicly show your follower count or how many people have reposted your image. So all of that is private. You know, but no one else knows. It's a great feature of this app. Fact number three, privacy. You can sign in Visco with Facebook, Google, or your phone number and email address. After creating and verifying an account, they will ask you to grant access to the photos in your camera roll, your camera, the notifications, whether or not you're going to be notified by them, as well as locations that include location tag for published photos and your contacts because they're going to want to connect all the people that you already know who are on Visco with you. Now, regarding location, you'll still need to go in and modify location settings under settings and then privacy because even though they allow that notification at the very beginning, there is still an automatic default of tracking the location of your photos. So you're going to want to turn that off to make this a little more private. Speaking of private, users don't have an option to have a public or private account. So any photo that you, quote, publish to Visco is completely public. You can use the app, you know, to edit your photos and skip the publishing portion and really just save it to your camera roll. But if you do publish, 
that's it. You can add a caption to your published photo, but it is going to be public for everyone on the app to see. Regarding privacy as well, you can block someone that you don't want to interact with your content. I mean, they're not going to be able to favorite your photo, but because they're all public, you can't really stop someone from seeing your photos, only interacting with them. And the bottom line, really, of the privacy is if you want to stay fairly anonymous on Visco, you can. You can set your username to not be your own personal name. It can be something, uh, a sort of pseudonym. You cannot share your contacts. You can also not share your location. You can use the app pretty discreetly and privately. Fact number four, artificial intelligence. Of course, this app uses AI because all social sharing apps use AI. So the artificial intelligence itself analyzes every photo on the platform in order to identify key attributes. For example, it will look at a photo and it can tell that that portrait is joyful, strong, or energetic. Visco claims that they are not making judgments about what content is good through the algorithm, but simply categorizing it. So the benefits of AI in the app and how it pertains to the user is one of three ways. Number one, related images. It's going to suggest photos for you that have the same mood as your photo. Number two, discover, where it's going to show similar content of what you've favorited or what you reposted in order to see more. And then number three, for this photo. And that is where they're going to suggest a selection of presets best suited for the photo. So they're analyzing the photo as soon as you upload it, and then they're going to suggest what presets might be good. There is some controversy with this aspect of using this artificial intelligence to recommend ways for this photo. Because it's known as a, a creative app where photography enthusiasts can really utilize all these editing features to demonstrate their creativity, the idea that they're suggesting presets kind of adds this, well, is it going to strip away the creative aspect? Because I'm going to probably go with one of its suggested presets instead of doing something on my own. You know, and that's a question. If your child really loves the creative aspects, obviously you can just choose to ignore the for this photo features. Fact number five, Visco membership. Visco has a premium membership. You can pay $19.99 a year and you get all of the extras. And what that really is, is a bunch of other presets. If you're only using the free version, there's really just a basic amount, not very many at all um, of filters and edits that you can use. It also gives you a lot of advanced photo editing tools, whereas there's only, again, the basic on the free version. Video coloring, weekly photo challenges, which I went through the challenges, and they're definitely not like, it's not like a YouTube challenge where you're saying, swallow this Tide Pod and see if you can pass it. It's nothing dangerous. It's more of like nature, you know, human interaction. And then people are, are really using this to demonstrate um, the creativeness of their photography. So it's actually, I think, quite inspiring. And they also give you bonus content for members, such as tips and tricks and creative tutorials exclusively if you have that membership. And the rating system of Visco, the App Store rates it 12 plus and Google Play rates it E for everyone. Now, Visco itself says that you must be 13 years or older per their terms of service. And of course, that is because they're going to collect data on you, so they need you to be over 13. We at Brave Parenting say, if you are over the age of 13 and you're willing to sort of take the time to learn um, these different photo editing tools, because it can be a little bit confusing, the interface itself, they're very advanced. 
It's a great way to actually work on photography skills, to work on editing. You don't have to make them public, but even if you do, they're not seeing this public count. You know, again, this social clout associated with that picture is not there. I've spent quite a bit of time looking at Visco, um, preparing for this, and it really is a lot of creative artistry photography that's on there. It's totally different than looking at Instagram or teenagers' Instagram or Snapchat, something like that. So if your child wants it, I definitely say use it with them, show them, make sure that they kind of understand what they're putting out there might be public and reused. But ultimately, the app itself is fairly safe for teens. All right, our family focus today is going to be talking about the vaping epidemic. You've probably seen some headlines where there's new cases constantly coming out about kids who are being hospitalized or young adults hospitalized and their serious lung injury is being reported because of vaping. So I think it's important for us to talk about it, to acknowledge that no matter how good our kids are, they are surrounded by technology and temptation. And we may think that they may not be vaping or that they may not try that, that they know better, that they're smarter than that. The culture has become so saturated that I have asked many um, middle schoolers and high schoolers, and they just kind of give this answer of, yeah, everyone does it. So if everyone is doing that, that probably means that our kids, your kids, they're all doing it, they're trying it. So what do we need to know as parents, as we're going to talk about today? So some of the specifics of these electronic cigarettes or e-cigarettes, you know, to teens, they're known as vaping or juuling. And what it is, is this electronic cigarette works by heating a liquid in order to produce an aerosol that a user then inhales this aerosol into their lungs. They put a juice, if you will, or liquid inside this vape pen, which is just an electronic device. And that liquid can contain nicotine, THC, the active ingredient in marijuana, cannabinoid oils, and other substances and additives. A lot of times these, quote, juices are flavored with mango and fruit. And so It tastes good and you smell good. And so it's not like the cigarettes of old where you, you know, reeked of cigarettes and if you smoked, then someone was going to smell you and it was very obvious. It's not like that with vape. Now, granted, you can use these, quote, juices that don't have nicotine, don't have THC in them, and that you're just doing it because it tastes good. And that's what a lot of kids will say. Well, I'm not using the nicotine portion. I'm only doing it because these fun, fruity flavors or mint or whatever they are, they taste so good or it's fun and that's what everyone's doing, but I'm not doing the nicotine. The the thing is, is a lot of times they don't know what is in the juices. A lot of times these vape pens are being passed around through multiple people in the classroom or lunch or in the bathroom. You can't always guarantee or know what is in that specific juice and that is the, one of the dangerous aspects. And really, it is super tempting. Because you're not walking away smelling like cigarettes and because everyone else is doing it, it's so easy for them to try it and you can hide it so easily that temptation is just way too hard to resist. Their sort of primitive part of their brain is just enforced, reinforced with this idea of this feels good, I wanna do it again, and then they can't stop. And when we have nicotine involved, and it's extremely addicting nature, they can become addicted before we even have a clue that they're doing it. So let's take a look real quick at what the CDC says. This is probably some of the headlines that you've seen in the news recently. 
As of September 24th, the CDC reports 805 cases of serious lung injury associated with the use of e-cigarettes and vaping products. 38% of these cases are individuals under the age of 21 years old. 12 deaths have been reported in 10 states. So 12 people have died all because of the serious lung injury. All the patients in this report from the CDC have reported a history of e-cigarette use and have no consistent evidence of any infectious disease. Therefore, the suspected cause is the chemical exposure of the vaping. Most of the patients have reported using e-cigarette products containing THC, that is marijuana, and many patients have reported using both THC and nicotine, and some have reported using only nicotine. The CDC says until we know more, we recommend that you consider refraining from all e-cigarette and vaping products. As a parent, like, okay, this is really scary, but I have no idea if my kid would be doing this. They tell me they're not, so what do I need to look for? So here are eight signs that your child may be vaping. These aren't the only ones, but these are pretty obvious ones. Number one, acting secretive. Are they spending a lot of time behind closed doors? Number two, frequent excuses to go to the bathroom. Because this is not something that they're going to be able to smell, they're not going to smell like cigarettes, they can easily run to the bathroom, take a few hits off of a vape pen, and because they're so small, they can hide them and conceal them on themselves, and then come back out, spend time with the family, go back into the bathroom, go back into their bedroom, take a couple hits, and then come back out. Number three, do they have a sweet smell to their room or to their clothes? And that's those fruity flavors of this juice or liquid that they put into the vape pen. Number four, are they showing increased thirst or dry mouth or nosebleeds? Number five, a dry cough. I know a lot of parents will say that their child is coughing a lot and they might blame allergies. They might say that they're sick. All of a sudden, maybe if they have any underlying asthma, that may flare up, again, because they are inhaling this water vapor into their lungs, this aerosol, and it is not healthy and it exacerbates any underlying lung condition that they may already have, or it creates one, as we've already seen in 805 cases. Number six, concealing colorful plastic caps or small electronic devices and charging cords. Charging cords is a big one because, again, they're electronic. They're going to basically charge like your cell phone would, but it's going to be a different looking cord. So that's one thing that you can look for is the charging cords. Number seven, heightened caffeine sensitivity. So if they're on nicotine and they're already addicted, if they have something that has caffeine and they're just like crazy hyper, well, that could be another reason. And number eight, signs of nicotine dependence or withdrawal. So that may be irritability, right? If you, if they don't have access to a vape pen at the time or they, you know, they get anxious because they need that nicotine fix or their sleeping habits are thrown off, these are all ways or signs that you may be able to play off as just being a teenager. But if you look more specifically, you can see maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there is some vaping. Okay, so what if you evaluated and you're really concerned and you're like, hey, I, I actually think that my child could be vaping. You know, what do you do? Or maybe, again, you don't recognize any of these signs, but you really want to be proactive, which I highly, highly recommend. What do you do? First thing, educate yourself on what Juul, Vibe, and other e-cigarette devices look like. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, a lot of times they look just like a USB, like a thumb drive. They're very small and discreet. They can hide them so easily. You may look at it 
in their room and think, oh, you know, that's just a, a thumb drive or some other thing. You would never think that this is an electronic cigarette if you've never seen them. And a lot of adults who use electronic cigarettes don't always use the jewel, which is a lot smaller. So if you've seen someone using one, you may have the wrong idea of what you're looking for. So jump online and just look at what these jewel and what these vibe, another one that's similar to jewel, what they look like. And then learn about the dangers. If you already don't know that nicotine addiction and the dangers that is, there's lots of research I'm going to give you at the end, places that you can go in order to learn more about these dangers. The next thing you need to do is have a very frank conversation with your kids. Hey, what do you know about juuling? What do you know about this epidemic of teens and young adults dying and being put into the hospital about, you know, with severe lung injury? What do they know about it? And honestly, it's not wrong to just start young because all of these are going to slowly creep into the older elementary school years. And if you have elementary school kids, but you also have high schoolers, then you definitely need to be talking about it because they're exposed to different part of the culture and vaping is one of them. So start young. You know, if you have a middle school or high school, straight up and ask them, are your friends vaping? Have you seen peers in in class or in the locker room or bathroom? Have you seen them vaping? And you can also straight up and ask them, have you ever tried it? Try not to be judgmental because if they admit that they have, then you can have a totally different conversation. Yeah, maybe I did try it once, but it was really bad. I didn't like it. I hate it. Then you can still educate them and talk about that. And if they say, no, no, I've never tried it, we can still educate them on a regular basis. Share these news stories. There are lots of stories out there across the country of teenagers who have been going about their normal lives, granted vaping and hiding it from their parents, and then put all of a sudden in the ICU, almost losing their life, being diagnosed with lungs of a a 70-year-old smoker because of the damage that has been done. So share those stories with your kids. After that, if you're really concerned that your child is vaping, but you just haven't found that proof, I really encourage you to monitor their text and social media conversations. If that is not something you've ever done, you might have to have that conversation with your child. I feel like Maybe you're hiding something. I feel like maybe you could be vaping. We need to talk about this. I'm going to be looking you know, through your text messages or social media conversations. That's really best to happen as soon as they get a phone, um, as soon as they get social media, is to establish that privilege that you get in order to monitor them, in order to keep them safe. We're not trying to be nosy for the sake of harming them, but nicotine addiction or marijuana addiction, this is not something that we want them carrying forward to their future. And if they're starting young, 13, 14, 15, that is a huge risk. We highly recommend the parental monitoring service of Bark. Bark will monitor conversations on both on the phone, through text messages, through social media platforms, any app they use to text on. It will monitor that. They'll look for keywords of danger and then they will send you an alert. This is a great way. It saves you time because Bark does all the work. Next, if you suspect anything, then you need to start really looking. If they drive a car, especially if you've paid for the car, right? Look around in the car and look for a vape pen charger because just like a phone, they can charge it right there in the, in the car while they're driving. Look in the outlets in their bedroom. Do you see any chargers that you know of that you don't know what they're for? Look for changes in their spending habits. They could easily buy all this stuff online or look for cash going out if you know that they're receiving cash maybe for their birthday or babysitting or, or however they're earning money but yet they never have that money, where is that cash going? A lot of times, as I mentioned, there are people who are the suppliers in high schools and in middle schools, and they're selling it all to the underclassmen or to the kids who can't access it. 
So that's a big thing. And they're going to take that cash. Look for your own cash. Are you missing cash? Again, you have to think this is an addiction. And so like all addictions, it's going to force them to make poor choices and taking money from you in order to be able to get more liquid, more juice so that they can keep their addiction going is not something that's out of the realm of possibility. Also, you can look through their camera roll. Sadly, you know, kids, because they think vaping is shows themselves as like a really cool thing, very trendy thing. A lot of times they'll take pictures of themselves vaping or, or blowing out all the smoke. Maybe they'll take a video. Look through those and see if you can find any evidence of that occurring. And finally, if you found proof or you think, yes, they're doing this, I highly recommend that you buy some nicotine testing kits. You can get them on Amazon. You can find them at um, a local drugstore. If you've talked about it, you've set the boundary and said, this is, not, this is not allowed. We are setting a standard for no vaping because of your health, because we don't want you addicted, and because it's illegal. It is illegal. If nothing else, the foundation that it is illegal for them to use these products, then you need to help them stop. There are some resources, again, I'll share with you to do that, but you can also just test them, randomly test them, state that as part of the standard. Okay, I understand that maybe you were vaping, but now we've set a standard that you cannot vape. To ensure that you are not going to vape anymore, we're going to be randomly testing you for nicotine to make sure that you're not vaping anymore. And really set that standard for all the kids in the house. If you have middle schoolers and high schoolers, even though some maybe are not doing it and one is, that may seem like, oh, that's going to be terrible in my house. But they need to know that sort of accountability, it occurs out in the, in the workforce and in our jobs and careers. We as adults can get randomly drug tested depending on what career we have. Well, they need to understand that is the same for them as well. And ultimately, this is where we just have to be brave. We set this standard and we have to follow through for the sake of our kids' addictions. We do not want them addicted to nicotine. And sadly, so many are, and they don't even realize they're addicted to nicotine because they don't understand how much nicotine is in one juice, one liquid that they put in a vape pen. One to two packs of cigarettes can be equivalent to just one bottle of this juice that they're vaping. So it can become extremely addictive. So for the sake of our kids' health, for the legal aspects, we need to stop this vaping addiction. And it's going to take every single one of us to start having these hard conversations and making these brave choices in our home. All right, so some resources that you can use going forward. The organization Parents Against Vaping is really fantastic. They have news articles as well as ways for you as a parent to educate yourself and then conversation pieces that you can start talking to your kids. You can find them at www.parentsagainstvaping.org. Also, the CDC has a lot of information as well for you to prepare you to have those conversations to share some of the medical aspects, the scary aspects that could be happening to them cdc.gov forward slash tobacco will also give you, you can click on the e-cigarette information and there is a constantly running update of the severe lung injury cases that are going on as well as tools to educate parents. And if you're looking for ways like this has happened to my child, now what do I do? How do we, how do we go from here and getting them off of this nicotine addiction? What do I do? Tobaccofreekids.org also has a lot of information that you can learn as a parent to move forward to have these resources in order to aid in your parenting, to keep your kids off of the vaping, to keep them unaddicted to nicotine moving forward into their life as an adult. 
And again, I mentioned the resource of Bark monitoring text messages and social media. You can find out more information at braveparenting.net forward slash Bark about how you can use that parental control in order to monitor your, your teen's communication. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you miss anything in the show or you want to learn more, you can find us online at braveparenting.net. If you have any questions about what we discussed or even a story to share about maybe what's worked for you in this vaping arena or anything else, you can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net for an in-depth look about how you can build strong character you know, from starting at the earliest of ages, but even moving on through high school, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character. It is available on Amazon. Hey, no matter what platform you're listening to us on, we ask that you would subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes and also rate us. We would love to know how we're doing, how we can improve. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave. Be brave.